0: Hello, everyone. My name is Jake Kaufman, and you're listening to Way Outside. On this episode, I sat down with NBA on ESPN reporter and fellow Evanston High School alumni, Cassidy Hubbard. We talked about the Last Dance series, her growing up in Chicago during the Bulls' 1990 dynasty, the NBA GO conversation, what she has seen from the basketball community in response to the Black Lives Matter movement, her thoughts on systemic racism as a whole, who has the best chance to win in the bubble, and so much more. Really hope you guys all enjoy, and thanks for listening. So, obviously, I know you grew up in Chicago in the age of basketball's greatest time, and so, what do you remember as a kid about like just those Jordan years like in not
1: that Yuri saying that it was basketball's greatest time, and uh where you were just being born in the nineties I he's
0: not even born yet. <laughs>
1: Oh my god, that just hurt me a little bit. Um, the fact that you even appreciate that you weren't even born, I uh have all the respect right there. Uh, understanding that the 90s were transformative years. What do I remember? Um, I remember just winning all the time, being a Bulls fan. Um, and you know, I was, I was around the time of the championship runs i was like um you know 12 13 14 so like old enough to know what was going on um and i just remember you know jordan being this bigger than life personality and watching the last dance was such a unique experience for me because i lived it but you know being a kid you don't really fully grasp you know, what is happening all the time. You're you just kind of in it and you pay, you pay attention to as much as you can when you're a kid running around and worrying about kid stuff. So um, it was it was a lot of nostalgia for me and in, in, in a way kind of filling in the blanks of the history of the game and the impact Jordan had and the personality that Jordan was. Um, and so I uh, I just remember those years being what made me the sports fan that I am today.
0: So would you say watching Last Dance gave you more respect for Jordan, not uh, less, I don't know how, or just like the same, based on like the fact that, you know, the community, they, like there was a lot more locker room issues than I guess were like, I guess talked about it, especially viewing it as a kid. I, I mean,
1: respect, I think, is a hard thing to um, divide up here because my respect for Jordan as um, a basketball player, I think, will be untouched. As far as a person, a man, a leader, um, I think there could be some criticisms for the way that he led. Um, I think it was a different time, not not excusing that, but um, some of his, you know, quote-unquote Lee tactics. I, I've often said that if Jordan were, you know, a player in today's era, that it would have be, been hard for him because the social media era exposes um, a lot. And uh, But he wasn't. He wasn't a part of that era. And even though these players have nothing to do with the development of technology and social media, I think a big part of where these players are as far as um, fame and uh, where the game is today, a lot has to do with Michael Jordan and how he has uh, – how he helped – this league become a global league and, you know, created a brand in himself that has carried over to um, how players today are, are brands uh, on their own and, and the ability to market and create your own career outside of basketball simultaneously. So I think a lot of that has to do with Jordan as far as, so I I think I will always have the ultimate respect for Jordan as a pioneer of the game, how he, Grew the game, um, and I guess if anything, his leadership style um, deserved criticism. But in some ways, you know, you you, you, saw, you saw that it got results.
0: Is so because obviously, you know, there's this you know that guy named LeBron who's pretty good at the whole basketball thing, and um, yeah, it's, it's interesting that you guys are around the same age. Okay, that's interesting. You know, growing up with you know this iconic global star. I mean, not like same place, but you guys are around the same age and that thing. How close do you think in terms of accomplishments and like greatest of all time, do you put LeBron up on your list personally?
1: Well, I think it's really hard to, um, to I just, I, I know this is like a, a all-time um, sports debate topic. You know, who's the greatest of all time? And I, whether it's, there's a bias Being, you know, me like having a bias for Jordan because I grew up a Bulls fan. I just I look at it as there'd be no LeBron um, and the the impact he's had today without Jordan. But at the same time, what LeBron has done uh, has surpassed any hype. And I go back to what I said about Jordan not. I don't know if he could. if he would be as revered as he, as he was and, and to some extent is still today if he was in the social media era. LeBron fully grew up in the social media era, was part of it, and has still been able to exceed the hype when, you know, sometimes um, hype is all people get. He, he, has, he has far and away stepped up in both, Personally and professionally, um, and he has taken many hits and he's gotten back up. And he is a incredible advocate for the game. He is a, um, uh, a a absolute perfect, I would think, face of the game right now because of his. Um, he he never he never shies away from stepping up in the moment and speaking up for not only. What's happening in the league, but what's happening in our country um, and in his community. So I just think that LeBron James is in his own world of greatness.
0: In terms, but you're talking more about off court stuff, correct?
1: No, I think I think both. I mean, I think it's just so hard to compare the careers. I mean, could uh, were you? I I think a lot of people didn't really understand or forget, like know that Jordan left for two years to play baseball. Could you hold that against him? Like, people wouldn't hold that against Jordan missing those two years to leave the game, but they'll, you know, get on LeBron James for leaving the Cavs and then leaving the Heat and then leaving the Cavs again. Um, It's personal decisions. and As far as not winning championships or just break it down to six championships, three championships, um, I think the feat of, you know, going to nine straight finals... um, alone is, is impressive. I just, just, I, I, it's, it's a hard thing for me. I don't really like to compare just gonna kind of just talking about athletes because it's just two different careers. If you're going to say that LeBron was going to play, go to three straight finals, take a break, and then go to three straight finals, <coughs> and then he didn't win those, um, and he, he, he won like four or out of the six or two out of the six, then maybe that, you could compare um, apples to apples, but it's just really apples to oranges here.
0: I think something that I've always noticed, especially as a kid for some reason, and I know with a lot of people, is that they just get t- tied to this. For some reason, it's like they have this instinct to not like LeBron. And I don't know why, like when I was a kid, like when I first started off, and I never knew why. And I, so I kind of now i kind of been like non-biased. Kind of, it's really weird because I feel like Jordan, people didn't really, besides like, you know, other teams that were scared of every single move he was going to do, there wasn't really many fans across the league that like, just like Jordan. But there's this giant population in the NBA of fans that just like don't like LeBron. Say he's soft, you know. What I mean, it's just such a weird dynamic that they have with things. I tough. think
1: that's a li- I think that's changed a bunch, though. I think um, his image has transformed over the years, as it should. I think uh, you can't really judge a career until it's done. Um, I think a lot of people didn't respect the way that he decided to leave Miami, um, but if that's the worst thing that he did, was sit. And in front of a group of people on a nationally televised show, which donated money to, you know, the Boys and Girls Club. If that's the worst thing that he did, then you may have an argument that he is the be- the greatest ever because, like, that's that like he he continues to step up and 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 be a pioneer and pave the way. I mean, just even how he created this whole new way that players are taking ownership of their own, um, their own brands, their own um, trajectory in the league and, and being just the power structure has changed because of some of the decisions LeBron has made. Uh, And I don't think you can deny that. So um, there's just, there's a lot, as much as I say that LeBron has changed the game for players, I mean that Jordan has changed the game, Clip, that Jordan has changed the game for the for players today. I think LeBron continues to change the game for 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 the, the game's future.
0: Yeah. I feel like maybe, yeah, and i that's another debate. Is like, do you just instead of trying to this, can you talk about like who are like we could say the five greatest game changers who changed basketball? I think maybe that's an argument more people should be trying to have because you can say, like, you can start early with Bill Russell or Kareem, and then obviously right because I
1: mean if we're gonna go down to championships people are saying well Jordan has six and you know until until LeBron has six or more he's just ne- he's never gonna yeah. catch um, Jordan as the greatest ever but then you know what like what about Bill Russell you know like why isn't he in the discussion and, like, I, I I just I think it's just a, a complex and nuanced discussion that um, I understand why we have a lot, and we should, because um, it, uh, these two guys deserve to be in these conversations as being some of the greatest sports figures of all time. Um, and, you know, it's just human nature to want to compare. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and I think especially, I feel like it's hard because a lot of, so many people have it, but there's never a real Consistent standard of what you qualify. Do you count their off-court achievements? Are you only basing off rings? I think that's something you know that needs to be considered. Do you count it off? Do you use advanced stats? Do you use that? And if because if you're just saying rings, then Robert Ordy is better than Michael Jordan because he has seven. But obviously, it's not just all about rings.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I think that's what it comes down to. I, I mean, I I will say that more recently. I have come around to acknowledging that it is in no way disrespectful to Michael Jordan to have the conversation or show the respect that um, LeBron deserves a nod to to be in the conversation.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Growing up as a kid, though, did you ever, because obviously a lot of people felt, did you ever feel like someone could be better than Jordan Though, after seeing all those? I mean, initially, just after seeing all those?
1: I think as a kid, I wasn't really focused on that that debate. Um, I, and the way I grew up in Chicago with Jordan, I think the way I, I think I just felt um, like it was a fact that he was the greatest ever. But I also was a young child learning more and more about the league every day, and as I become became a professional, um, understanding the layers to. Um, the history of the game, and, um, you know, wh- how you define best.
0: So, for we talking about other great, is there any, like, historic basketball great that, you know, you wish you could have seen in person? Like, if, you know, obviously, if you could reverse back time because you got
1: to? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I was really young still, um, you know, during the early days of, of Jordan. So, I never, like, even the first three championships – like I remember the Bad Boy Pistons, but even before that, like the first championship, I don't really remember watching Magic play. I certainly don't remember watching Bird in his heyday. So I think like the 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 Lakers and Celtics of the um, the '80s would be something that I, I would you know wish I would have seen in person. Um, and I wish I would have been able to see in person '90s basketball, like the way I see it now. I mean, I. You know, I watched it, um, and I was a basketball fan. But again, I was, I was a kid um, who, you know, wasn't watching it as a as someone who, you know, with through the lens I watch basketball now. I was just watching it to, to cheer and scream and just experience euphoria um, uh, with my family.
0: So, can you talk about like how that, like you know, the difference was being like a fan now with being like a media changes, how you like that lens. Can you kind of talk about that lens a little bit?
1: Yeah, it's, it's, um, you know, I, I'm not a fan anymore. You know, I'm not, uh, I I can't be a fan. Um, I'm a fan of, of, of following storylines, but I'm not cheering for any team. I'm, you know, I can't, I I just, I can't be biased as a, as a, um, Journalist, I guess, if you want to call me that these days, because <laughs> the, the journalistic uh, integrity and, and entertainment value of, of sports sometimes blurred these days. Um, but I will say, I uh, the way I view now is just I'm closer. The, these people are coworkers in a sense. Um, I'm, you know, I'm covering them. I'm, I'm helping them tell their stories. Um, I'm bringing more attention to the games by um, making sure that I'm, I'm covering the angles of, um, you know, what's happening with the team, what's happening with the players, why why viewers should be interested. So it's I, that's how I kind of view games now. It's like, how do I sell, for lack of a better term right now, um, why Buck's magic should be interesting to you on a Wednesday night? And so I just immerse myself in, into figuring out what, you know, what's the most interesting storyline so people can get to know these personalities more. Because I think with this league, it is in such a healthy place. And part of that reason is because there's so many personalities and people get to see this inside um, look at their lives and, and have a more intimate relationship with, with players because uh, of social media. And because of, you know, how um, broadcasts are nowadays and um, how coverage is 24-7. So um, being a part of that exposure um, and that type of storytelling is, um, it takes a little bit of fandom because I have to be, you know, want to be interested in these guys in this league, uh, which is not hard, Um, but it's really, in a sense, um, you know, really trying to emphasize the entertainment factor of the league
0: yeah and um i talked about you with this a little bit earlier but on the previous but obviously you know with all the social injustice in this country the nba has, i mean for a while been one of the more activating and letting their players express it but what do you think overall about how the league's been allowing them to do it how the players have used their platforms and just that whole kind of object like all of it as a whole how do you how yeah. do
1: yeah i, I the, the NBA, and Adam Silver specifically, um, you know, has made it a point to be in partnerships with, with, play, with the players and to make sure that they feel like their voice is being heard. And especially in a league that is 80% Black, um, I, I was not surprised that Adam Silver was going to be um, conscious about the current state of our country and civil unrest and um, the social justice movement going on, and and even when it was got really complicated as they were um, discussing the return of the league and there was a coalition formed outside of the already agreed upon. Um, Decision to restart. Uh, there was, I think, I, I think people's criticism of the separate coalition to have this discussion was unfair, and 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 they and, and probably just um, wasn't patient enough because we just, what we need to be having is conversations, uh, everyone, and there should there shouldn't be a deadline on it, and not a deadline being pushed by work and i I actually respect and appreciate what avery bradley and kyrie irving and um, dwight howard were really doing with that coalition was you know trying to use their leverage which was returning back to basketball to force the hands of the league and um owners and um other you know executives across the league that you know, market it with the NBA that support the NBA to really step up and and um, make real actual change. And you saw some of it with with you know the NBA vowing to you know update their hiring processes with um, assistant coaches and GMs. Um, and of course, we're seeing you know the NBA and the Players Association work together. Players Association work together on. Putting messages on the back of the jersey. Now that gets a little complicated because we're, we're hearing some of the players want different messages, or don't want messages at all, or didn't feel like they were being consulted. But this is not this is not going to be something that is just like an easy fix, or you know these it, that that even these little things, um, you know, people should should see them as you know small victories that help continue to move this conversation forward to help keep the momentum going i'm hoping you know I, and i'm i'm in the belief that there's going to be a lot more conversation um once the games start going of course there's going to be black lives matter um on the court we're going to you know give platforms i know on espn for players to speak a, a more about you know what they're doing for their communities. You have Dwight Howard who started his own initiative. Of course, um, LeBron James with his More Than a Vote. Um, so uh, you, you, these players are so famous <laughs> and so well known, and have such an impact on their communities that um, you know they they are role models, and they do have a uh, responsibility to lead the way. Um, and the NBA has. You know, hasn't shied away from stepping up and making taking a stand uh, on, on you know social issues, and it's because they have such strong leadership uh, within the the player um, environment. I think I think I think some of the most well known African Americans in the United States with power as far as um, in, in sports leagues are concerned is in the NBA. And um, I think this, this, this bubble could be a good thing because these guys are all together. And, you know, hopefully the conversation continues to pick up um, and there could be even more change um, and impact. And uh, it, it, it won't stop because, you know, I think that was the biggest concern about the coalition is that once we get back to basketball, people will forget. And just you know, it just will be distracted. And I'm hoping that this will continue to motivate people to, you know, not just think about themselves.
0: Yeah, and I think the thing that I've noticed, because obviously I'm not in the media, but I read a lot of it, is that also there's just a little bit of thing about people kind of judging people for what comments. Like they're like, LeBron, why are you not wearing something on your jersey? And I feel like you know, the other thing that needs to be thing is everyone speaks out or reacts to stuff in a different way. And I feel like. Sometimes when I see something like that, people have to realize, yeah, like if you don't, they gave him a, what, like 16 different messages only and that Jimmy Butler did his own thing. He put nothing on there and he talked about that. So I feel like the, also the thing people need to realize is that everyone feel, reacts to things, how they're affected in a different way. And I think that, you know, but now they're starting to do that. But I felt like early on they were like kind of, I saw like people commenting, like, why isn't LeBron wearing anything? He's a social, social justice warrior. And I'm just like, they don't respond. Everyone responds in the same way, man.
1: Yeah, I mean I, I but it it's not against the NBA and MBP, MBA PA for the idea. I think you know it's it was a it was a nice idea and um and I think everyone has the right to do what they want, especially when you're you're talking about how, how are you um feeling about this movement? How are you how is it impacting you? How are you going to take it upon yourself to um do better. But it's, it, it's a conversation. I mean, it is it, it, for LeBron to say his feelings about it and Jimmy Butler to pitch his own idea and tell his story as to why he wants a no-name on the back. Like, that's, that's part of the discussion. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm hoping these, these, um, these symbols are going to not just spark conversation, but, you know, actually spark real change. So, you know, that, I think that's the next step. Um, and I think where the NBA can make change is to continue to look inside themselves and, um, you know, see if they're, if there's equal hiring going on within the executive levels and throughout the, um, you know, the teams, GMs, and co- and coaches.
0: Yeah, I mean, going into the 2020 season, I don't think anyone would have predicted the storylines would have been this crazy, especially, man, this is probably, in terms of the storyline, this might have been the highest we've had like, Kobe Bryant's death feels like two years ago or three years ago at this point, based on 2020. It's just kind of been crazy how this season is. And it's honestly almost a miracle that this season is getting, re- is getting restarted based on, you know, everything that's happened in the year 2020 in the world and the country. So I think that if they can finish it with the greatest thing, like, would say the team that wins a championship, they get another great donation to a charity of their choice. I think that's another thing that, you know, obviously – Players have a lot of players have done stuff with saying they're donating, they're part of the salary to foundations, I think. And one other thing I was wondering, right. too, there's been like, I think also it's important to like the white players in the NBA that have been like wrote articles and stuff that spoke out. And the two ones that really stuck out to me were JJ Reddick and Kyle Korver. They wrote really great pieces on, on the Players' Tribune about, you know, their experience with it and how they do it. So how important do you think it is for their voices talking about how they need equality and like their experience with it, experience experiencing it, is important for the the NBA players itself and also just the fan and the general population.
1: Yeah, I I think, um, you know, you hear the term ally um, and I think as non-black people, um, we've been on our own journey recently to look inside ourselves and determine how much we've been an ally and how much we've actually been anti-racist and not just racist. And that's why I say, you know, it is, it is human nature for people to just go back to thinking about themselves um, and what like, what's a, what battles are in front of them. So I, 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 I'm hoping that this truly is an awakening for a lot of people. And for myself included, I mean, I, I think about the opportunities I've gotten um, and I think about you know the civil civil liberties that um, I take for granted, and um, it is not enough to just be disgusted. It it has to you have to acknowledge it, um, and hopefully find ways that you can give back um, and and it, and to gain knowledge and to really educate yourselves on, on the history of this country and. Um, you know, have important conversations with your friends, uh, both, um, you know, black and and white and continue to have these conversations. So, you know, it's not just a moment in time and that it is you're you're part of a a, a change in um, the way we view each other, the way we view our privilege and know, how to try to find ways to rid ourselves of this, this privilege. So, um, you know, I think it's important for 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 non-white people to, to stand up and to voice um, their disgust with systematic racism in our country. Because if, if we don't acknowledge it, then, um, you know, we're, we're part of the problem. And I think Black people in this country for so long have been fighting this fight and have said it and, and, and have said that it's just it, that, that they play by different rules and um, it's fallen on deaf ears and now, you know, they, the, the, this fight is on the national stage and I think it's everyone's duty to, to keep it that way until it changes.
0: Yeah, and I think something is, because um there was actually a recent story about it yesterday, and I think so, people that aren't listening, so me and Cassie both went to the same high school, different years, obviously, but we we go into a school that was very, very diverse, and especially considering the one next to us is a, is completely, I think, I think that also where you go to school, if you're like older in high school, really affects like at least how you see it to a degree, because, you know, if you're around more people of color when you're growing up in the school system, then you... I don't want to say you appreciate, but like you underst- like you're growing up with them more, so you at least get less stereotypes. And I, there was an incident at New Cheer yesterday of a girl having a video saying the N word, and I think it's just important for people to be educated at an earlier age, you know? Yeah,
1: but it's not just about you know being around black people or being around minorities. It's I think this is part of the next step. Like I wanted the like. I am very proud of being from Evanston, um, it is one of the, my favorite definitions of myself, I think it's one of the greatest places um, in this country, but you know, I think that's the next step of what we need to understand, it's not just about saying, well, I grew up in a diverse community, it's not just about that, it's about really putting in the work, and. in in educating yourself as to you know what what are the differences um why why you may even have privilege um in your own community uh even if it is diverse and you're exposed to different cultures and religions like you may have a a one-up on um you know a community that may be all white as far as um being exposed to different types of people and having more empathy that way but um I think we're at a point where it, that just being and, um, benefiting from, from that exposure is not enough. And I say that out loud to, um, myself as well, because I think I've kind of rested on, well, I grew up in a diverse community, you know, like I, I never saw color. Um, like I, I, like, I I never felt what it was like. I never felt racism in my community, which that's just being naive. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think the biggest thing is we all need to educate ourselves and um, vote and, you know, really find ways to make differences in our communities. And um, yeah, that's that, that. that's what I'll say about that.
0: Yeah. And I think especially and I think I've heard people saying like the distance about not wanting to experience like, quote unquote, politics and sports. And I think that when I hear that, that's not really People's lives are obviously not politics. And I think that, you know, these discussions need to happen in every aspect of life because some people like were trying to tell me they, they use sports to escape from that, but you can't use sports to escape from inequality. You can, use, you, can use, you can use sports to escape from a bad day at work. You know what I mean? I feel like people have to recognize that that's not an okay escape anymore. And it never was, but especially now with this media spot, spotlight, it's becoming even less and less socially...
1: I, I mean, uh, sports have always been at the forefront of social reform, and um, sports may be a form of entertainment. But these are real people experiencing real hardships, and if you refuse to see um, these people as, as you know as real human beings who um, have who have their own feelings about what's happening in the world that that that's on you for just wanting them to be your, there for your entertainment value. And that's, that's not acknowledging what's happening in our country. Sports have always been, um, you know, leaders in, in, in social movements because athletes have had such a platform. They've had such a stage to capture people's attention. And I think Athletes have taken that responsibility um, on themselves to make sure that they, you know, uh, let people know what they're going through. And, uh, you know, I, I'm very proud um, of how athletes have over the years stepped up time and time again, um, because it's it, we, we can't be just distracted uh, about from what's happening in our world it's not time for respite from you know what's going on in our country I think people need to wake up they need to pay attention and um, they need to do something about it and so sorry if it's inconveniencing you that you have to see Black Lives Matter um, on the basketball court but you know what they do
0: yeah, I think that's such a thing. And the last question I want to ask is kind of going back to but if, if you're picking a bubble team, obviously I think it's a very different situation. It's very hard to, it's an unlike thing. But if you have to pick a team that you think's winning from this to win the title, who would you take?
1: Oh my God. I mean, like, this is going to be a championship unlike any other. I, uh, I don't know. <laughs> because we haven't even started the games yet. This is... Um, this is going to be a um, war of attrition uh, more than any other year because you're dealing with so many different variables. um, And, you know, I'm not just talking about the coronavirus and whether or not a player tests positive um, and what that means about them staying with the team and being able to compete. It's also just uh, the, the format of, you know, like a training camp into preseason type games, into bam the playoffs, um, and, and then also in an environment where you really can't let off any steam <laughs> because you're stuck in this bubble. You know, you don't have the same type of um, reprieve like going home to your family or you know the support system that you uh, would typically have in a really grueling playoff run. And on top of that, you don't have fans to help, you know, motivate you uh, along the way. So it is going I, – I, I think I would have to lean towards a, a young team like the Celtics um, are interesting. Um, obviously a deep team like the Clippers also, uh, in my opinion, have an advantage in this type of environment. Um. Uh, but I do think, you know, you can't ever ignore LeBron James. Like, I, I, I'm i done second-guessing him. So it it will be a real battle. I think it's a tough loss um, with, with Rondo and no Avery Bradley. And we'll see what J.R. has left in the tank and Caruso, yeah. what's going to happen there. But it's really just going to fall on Anthony Davis and LeBron James. And LeBron James never had as good of a teammate. Yeah. And that's no disrespect to Hall of Famer Dwayne Wade as, as Anthony Davis. But as we all know, um, in the playoffs, it comes down to a lot of the supporting cast stepping up in these moments. Um, and I just, uh, just don't know how these supporting casts are going to look um, down this grueling stretch of the next uh, three months.
0: It's going to be very interesting to see for sure, though.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes.
0: Just wanted to give another huge thanks to Kathy for her time. I really enjoyed this conversation with her, talking about her growing up in the 1990s. Bulls Dynasty was awesome, and just also someone who graduated from the same high school as me. I really enjoyed this conversation. I hope you guys did too. In the description, I'm going to put my social media accounts and hers as well, in case you want to follow us. And yeah, that's about it. Thanks again for listening, guys. I'm Jake Hoffman. I'll see you next time.